Welcome back to Lady Blurred Sings the Blues. This is your girl Kylie Too Smart and sometimes V. Here at Lady Blurred's podcast, we are two beautiful black queens bringing you all the hot fresh takes on nerdcore news, current events, and just our political opinions. Facts, sexual wellness, bodyadies, bodyadies, and chicanery. So here we are. Yeah, thanks. Welcome everybody. Welcome back on this fine Sunday. <laughs> of course, we're always going to start things off with, how is your week? How so, your... I'll start first, if yes, that's okay. Please. Um, I learned that I am really bad at cooking shrimp. <laughs> oh, I thought your shrimp came out really good, honestly. I think uh, you're not uh, Gordon Ramsay, but you know. Oh, that t- so st- still tasted like it was under the sea, so... <laughs> just sad. So I try to make a, a nice, like, sautéed shrimp with some butter mm. and threw some garlic and some onions just to kind of spruce up the flavor. Of course, I put in some seasoning because who would I be without that seasoning? <laughs> Whew. Uh, but anywho, I um, thought I was trying to do something fancy for myself because I was really craving it all week. And I'm like, man, I need some shrimp tacos. I just really want some shrimp tacos. And then... I buy the raw shrimp from the grocery store, and unfortunately, it started off as frozen. I couldn't find anything fresh, and then um, started sautéing it, and then, um, or no, no, what I did is I defrosted it, and then I thought I rinsed it well enough off, and then the biggest mistake I did is I didn't dehusk it, and whenever I tasted it, it still tasted like I was looking like the bottom of Monterey Peninsula. I'm really sad, but like Kylie said, it tasted fine. Yeah, I mean, it was, (laughs) look, (laughs) for shrimp that, for some of them, they still have the shell on, like you just have to expect that it's going to be shrimpy because it's cramps. But I learned my lesson. But some other cooking successes, I made some chicken wings. Ooh, chicken wings. Yeah, I I made those chicken wings. Um, I just, you know, put them in the oven, let them crisp up. They were kind of lemon pepper seasoning on them and all that. So it was kind of like one of those things where um, I was like, okay, I'm excited to make these. I wanted to make these two days ago. None of the stores had had chicken wings available because I forgot that it's the Super Bowl today. Yes. I was like, what's going on? My neighbors were hyped up watching pre-ga- pre-gaming, I guess. I was like, something's going on. I don't know what it is, but. Yeah. And I was, I'm like, I, I don't, I haven't followed, I really haven't seriously followed football in a really, really long time. I understand football, but I don't. I don't fuck with football like that. Don't fuck with football like that. And then they also dropped the bag when, or I don't want to say drop the bag, but they really dropped some viewer count when it came down to the Colin Kaepernick yes. situation. And so I'm like, I don't support the NFL. Um, they need to treat their be- players better, first of all. Uh, lots and lots of players have a lot of uh, concussions and brain damage and all that stuff that is not really properly taken care of or has been reported to be properly taken care of. And I just don't like athletic culture anyway with like yeah. the celebrity players. So Blech. I'm just like, mm, I don't know. Kaepernick was the, was like the best one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So for me- oh, I mean, ex- except for, you know, Richard Sherman and Marshawn, Marshawn Lynch have been like fantastic. They have been con- going back and contributing to their communities, like back in Oakland and all that stuff. 
for me, it just like uh, it boggles my mind how much these people like are paid, and then just the whole industry that I think it just feels gross to me, like all the advertising. And it's just like, okay, so what good comes out of this other than it's entertaining? Yeah. Other than it puts money into, like, rich white men's pockets. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I have heard someone say that it was, like, described as, like, modern day slavery. And I'm just like, okay, that's a a huge step. But I also can see it because, like... It's really, like, the celebrity players are the ones that get paid the big bucks. And then the other players that don't make it to, like, the celebrity status don't really get compensated the way that they should. Well, not only that, but it's just, like, you look at, like, the physical aspects of the job, Mm -hmm. you know, and who they're, like, gearing this towards. And then you look at, um, you know, if you go pro versus, you know, not going pro and like what your opportunities are, I feel like it's just really limiting. And then I especially feel like, you know, black communities are targeted. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh yeah, you want our kids when they to do sports and everything, but you can't fucking like pay them right or expect them to not kneel when shit is happening outside of football that affects our communities. Like, Exactly. You know, if you're not really for us, then don't fucking come over here with that shit. Right. Right. So, but yeah, like, I mean, we can definitely go all into this because, like, I mean, we could, but time permits. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole topic in and of itself. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so other than the shrimp and other... Other than the the chicken and um, cooking and V needs to be better, uh, let's go to Kylie. Oh my gosh. So, (laughs) what... Some of you may remember that little song that came out a little a little while back. <laughs> Whop! Some wet ass pussy oh my God. for the wings and pizza. So I had ordered um, the vinyl when it first came out and it took forever to get here. And I finally got it and it's purple. The vinyl is purple. Oh, that's the right. The record is pink. It's signed by Cardi. It's beautiful. The asses look... Huh, amazing. Hair piled <laughs> up. Like, I cannot tell you how excited I was when I got this. I was oh, like, it's going God. on the record player immediately. I'll oh. be releasing some videos of that. I think you should get a glass casing for Ooh, it. I should. Like, uh-huh. I, I, honestly, like, I kind of debated. I was like, man, should I Laser order cut. another one? They were, I don't even know if they're still doing them because they were, like, limited edition. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I kind of don't want to open it, but I do really want to play it. <laughs> I'm torn. Y'all, I'm torn. You know, I love CDs. I love records. I am one of those people that, like, I'm a collector, but I like to actually, like, listen to what I'm buying. Or if I get, like, I love Lord of the Rings. If I get a Lord of the Rings pop, like, I'm going to want to open it and, like, put it somewhere. This is one of those items where I'm like, oh, I really want to open it. And then just a little part of me is like, but maybe it should just be on display. Help. Yeah. Help y'all, I'm torn. <laughs> that song was just there's some holes in this host. It was I'm the so, gift that keeps on giving. Uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Especially now cuz I keep seeing all the mashups for music, different music videos, like the the pretty body oh. music video had come out and it's you know, they're taking all these different clips of all these other videos because it's COVID and not everybody can interact and yeah. film. So I just keeps like it just keeps giving. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a metal version of the song that I'm like in love with. It's oh so God. good. Uh, I wish I can, I can 
remember the guy's name. I have to look it up because it went viral on YouTube. And the only reason why I learned about that metal version of WAP is because um, there was a girl on TikTok who had like metal spikes in her head, like like it was um, like it was a hairdo, and it looked fucking amazing. Ooh. And I. Uh, and the background music was the metal version of WAP. And so I'm like, where's the, where's the, where is it? Where, where is, is the it? song I need in my life? Wow, 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 wow. Oh my God. And then, yeah, the, the amount of like play on the acronym, even though we all know that WAP is like wet ass pussy. Yes. It's just like, people are just like, you know, white ass privilege. <laughs> Worship and prayer. Worship and prayer. Woke African people. The kids' bop debacle. How they were gonna make a kids' oh, bop version? No, kids. No kids' bop. No. There is something that is not for the kids. There is some things that are definitely not for the kiddos. This um, may be how you make kids. You know, it reminds me of like when my neck, my back, lick my pussy and my crack, I was and I'm like not singing the correct words to that song as a child. I probably should have been my, singing. Uh, and my... Right? I definitely had the kids' version, <laughs> and it was still wrong. It was never okay. Oh, my God. You can't you have little I mean? kids... You can't have little kids doing sexual noises. No. Mm, Let no. them be children. Let them uh, play in the dirt. Like, what's your fantasy? Do you remember, like... What's the, your fantasy? Yeah, the, like, the radio version. Uh, I remember singing that in, like, elementary school, and I was now looking back on it, I was just like, oh, God, that yeah. was not a good look. Yeah, I mean, if it was, like, if I'm the same age as of now, and then, like, that song came out, like, if Ludacris was, like, the hot hot shit back then, I'd be like, yeah, this is a fucking great song. But now, like, thinking about when it came out. I wanna li- 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 lick you from your head to your toes. Bum, bum. But I remember nobody knew, like, the correct words. Bum, bum. I wish you guys could see what I see. He's just over here, booty popping on her stool. That song, it was just a good beat. But, like, you know what's crazy about that? You know, I mean, not to call out, like, my parents or my parents' neighbors or anything <laughs> like that, but they're like, these music these days are going to teach our kids the wrong things, but they were just bumping it hella loud in the projects. I'm like, so you want us to be well-behaved, but you're over there blasting all that shit about fucking and all that? <laughs> <laughs> I remember this one time my mom bought the Young Buck album back when like oh. Young Buck was like at his peak and he there was like Shorty wanna ride with you, ride with you. And I'm like, oh mom and she would blast it really loud and I'm like, Mom, stop. I'm like doing the Marge Simpson meme like stop. Like and it was because like she would like blast it <laughs> and when I'm going into school when she would drop me off like for that period of time when she would drop me off at school. Like, and to be clear, everybody, it wasn't that she didn't want to drop me off. It was the fact that, like, I had options. I could take the bus. <laughs> I, had, <laughs> I could take, I mean, it was also one of those things, like, you know, the schedules didn't line up. So, but anywho, um, yeah, when she would drop me off at school and blast that music, I'm just like, oh my God, like, I, I don't know what to do with this because it's really dirty. And then, like, I, you know, I would sit there and then, like, of course, you get scrutinized by the same person being like, you know, keep, don't show your cleavage, just, like, keep your pants up. I'm like, but the music, though. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to make your moment. No, like, like uh... <laughs> 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 
yeah, so that that's my week. Um, that was like the <laughs> highlight of my <laughs> week. She's like, okay, bitch, let's go on to the next thing. Let's go. Ah! We are on a time <laughs> construction. Just kidding. We'd love to spend all Sunday morning with you guys. Thank you, Cardi, for gifting us with Thank WAP. Thank you, Cardi, for giving us giving us WAP. Mm-hmm. Also, Cardi, you're you are not responsible of what music that kids listen to. You're not responsible. It's up to you know the who's parents. responsible? Meg the Stallion. No, <laughs> wow. Boo. Bruh, speaking of oh, Meg. Real quick, just real quick. Uh, you know, fuck the baby's friends. Yes, can we please? I was just about to say, what the fuck was that shit? I couldn't even hear what he was saying, but it sounded disrespectful. No, fuck. he basically, he's like, that bitch ugly. What the fuck? Yeah, like, the baby didn't say that. First of all, I had a couple of issues with that whole, like, promo video. First of all, who gets on their phone for a FaceTime like that? Right? Meg's like, all, like, uh, looking uh, cute. Uh, She's sitting, and, like, and her environment looks professional. She's sitting, and, like, it should be a mm-hmm. photo shoot. She looks like she's actually doing some promo. She's here to work. Her look is together. Like, mm-hmm. her technology is clean. Mm-hmm. Her sound is good. But and then, then you, you like, this pan over to, like, the baby, and he's just, like, talking to Meg. Like, he's just talking to Meg in, like, his fuckboy voice. And I'm like, can you? treat this as a professional promo be more hype than that just be like yeah you know cry baby it was a fun like you know just be more hype but he i think for some reason and this is just me thinking this i'm not saying this is accurate but i think he was high i think he was hanging out with his boys i think he was like one of those things where he's like man i have to do this fucking promo and so like he was just giving it low effort here and i'm just like listen bro like this is the opposite of your persona that you display in your music videos. This isn't like there's a persona that you have here. It's not just a personal phone call between you and Meg. You knew that this was a promo shot. And then you have your fuck boyfriends in the background judging the shit out of Megan, you know, being fucking rude, calling her ugly, even though she makes clearly more money than all those niggas. And then also to add in, like they're probably using the baby to just to say like, oh, I'm close friends with the baby, just to be around him. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm like diving way too deep into this. Uh, no, I, I get it. And it's also for me, it's just like, if you, you know, don't respect Megan, then don't even like, why would you collaborate? Clearly. You know, she's it, doing something for your career. Like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe I doesn't really need the baby. No, like, he's done... I mean, Bop was great with the baby. Like, that video with the Jabberwockies in it. Fan-fucking-tastic. But it's the respect. It's about the respect. Yeah. But then, like, there's all these other shots of, like, you know, just paparazzi where the baby, like, fucked up to way too many times. Like, he's put his hands on a fan when a fan was violating his, um his boundaries which understandably so like if he's out there like trying to like you know live his life has his daughter with him and then like you know a fan is like getting all up in his face or trying to like record him and shit um just for clout like of course like i mean that's reasonable to get upset but i've heard some other shit that's been going on like he just actually has like a violent like like strand in his body and like it hasn't been under control um but other than that, it's like, I mean, I'm like, okay, I mean, he's allowed to slip up a couple times. I saw that he did a couple apologies. He's actually had, like, press um, releases of him saying, like, this was the situation and this is why I had to be the way that I was. I'm like, okay, that's reasonable. But, like, you know, now that with that clip in correlation of everything else that's been going on, I'm like, 
It's Black History Month. Full respect. Respect your black queens. She didn't have to have you on there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love this verse on there, but now I'm just like, mm, now I think we need to have somebody else on there. Well, no, because it makes me think about like if that if he's so cavalier, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Then I really wonder what her experiences like are are off off screen. You know, we we get the video, we get the package, we get the fun, entertaining side, but you know, it's 2021 and we're holding everybody accountable. So that means. You got to treat her with respect on screen and mm-hmm. you got to treat her respect off screen. Like, yeah, and that, that means same checking your boys. Yeah. Your boys being talking all that mess while you're doing a live recording and they couldn't shut their asses up for like five minutes and they just had to be like, that bitch ugly. Now, they didn't say Meg is ugly, but they did say that bitch is ugly. But like, you know, all of us know that it was probably directed at her because they're probably watching and being like, that bitch ugly. They you know because she ain't giving them no pussy know how. Like, y'all couldn't even holler at Meg. What are you talking about? Uh, congratulations, one year anniversary to Megan Thee Stallion and g Easy. <laughs> they're not in a relationship. But I mean, my whole point is of like, she, she'll, she like, fool around and, like, have fun with other guys, but she'll never touch those boys because they are just awful, you know? I don't know. The G-Easy thing didn't need to be said, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but, yeah, much love to Megan. Like, we can't wait to see you do more stuff, and, like, thank you just for just being real and yes. being so cute and being adorable and just, you know, top tier. Other than that, um, sometimes some of your features going to need some class, and I'm sorry that you're under contract to collaborate with some folks. With some folks. All right, um, moving along. Yeah, moving along. Speaking of powerful, beautiful black women who are impacting our community, um, so we all know Black Lives Matter was uh, founded by Alicia Garza, Patrice mm-hmm. Colors, and Opal Tometi in response to Trayvon Martin being shot and the acquittal of the man who shot him. And I just want to say, now, in 2021, all of their efforts are being recognized globally. Yeah. They have been recognized globally. Mm-hmm. They've been nominated to receive the 2021 Nobel Peace Prize. Ex- beautiful. And that's amazing. It's incredible. Um, because they don't even get the recognition here in the United States. Not even like we it's it's absolutely savage how the United States treats anybody in support of the Black Lives Matters movement where there's been so much heated discussion on is it just black lives that matter when that's not even the point we're saying that we matter when this country has conditioned us to not matter. And I'm so happy to see that we're recognized. Yes. So absolutely, like, happy. Um, And it's also kind of like a huge slap in the face to the U.S., too. You know? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we've all been watching the protests, and we've all been seeing... Or participating. Or participating, yes. I was going to say, not well, not everybody's been participating, but those of us who have, like, we have um, experienced firsthand what it's like to go out on these streets and what it's like to have our police, you know, act as if, we are like targets. not even Americans. We're just, we're you know, just act targets. Like they're not here to protect our rights and act like they're not here to make sure that we are safe and that our voices can be heard safely. Um, who escalate situations, who target people of color, black women, black men, mm-hmm. who try to manipulate and gaslight our communities. 
Exactly. You know, and to see on television even how Trump supporters have been treated. Right. You know, all those people that stormed the Capitol, like, they're getting pardons and... They're getting pardons. They're getting bailed out. Going on trips out. to Mexico. The, the cops literally let them into the Capitol. If that was any of us, any of us Black Lives Matter supporters, any of us, we all would That whole crowd flipped, flipped the coin. Everyone would be dead. It would be a massacre. Absolutely. And so for, for Black Lives Matter to get this recognition... Um, is huge. Um, you want to run through some Nobel Peace Prize? Yeah. So a thing, a, a common thing that I've I've learned, and this is something that we also haven't really learned in school, is like how does how does someone get actually get nominated? Yes. For the Nobel Peace Prize. So I just just kind of doing a little bit of touch on it is just basically it's. Um, all Peace Prize winners, I believe, they are chosen in October. Yes. And but like in the beginning of the year, there's nominations, right? The nominations are actually decided through a um, um, a Nobel Peace Prize committee, mostly based in Sweden, I believe so. And then um, it also they so they choose laureates just to kind of say like, hey, this is who I'm going to vouch for for the Nobel Peace Prize. And like also who has also been nominated is our, our own Stacey Abrams. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's really um the categories that kind of go into the Nobel Peace Prize is uh physics, chemistry, physiology or medicine. Uh there's a literature category and then also a peace category. And the peace category is measured by um who has done the most or the best effort uh, to advance fellowship amongst nations. And so I think the Black Lives Matter has proved that because not only that we've had protests and solidarity in just the United States, but Hong Kong, that's, there's been protests in Japan, there's been protests in France, like there's been protests in different countries just to show the ripple effect of how Black lives have been impacted. Because, you know, Black lives are impacted in whatever Western, mostly, what whatever eastern or western country through colorism through like whatever it is like for for some reason whenever if someone is darker um they are considered lesser than so i think it's absolutely wonderful that like the whole world can see that and then that actually the committee has said like hey we are worth it but um going back into the nobel peace prize what's really great is like since it is black history month we wanted to outline those winners who are also black yeah um so let's go ahead and start with the those who are under the peace category. And also to keep in mind, there has been 16 black recipients total of this peace prize. Of Nobel Prizes. So, yeah. Yeah. So because they're broken up into different sections, mm-hmm. we hear Nobel Peace Prize most commonly. So for me, when I say Nobel Prize, I automatically want to say like Nobel Peace Prize. But it's really <laughs> like there's Nobel Prizes and then there's the categories. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> out of all of the categories, there have only been 16 black recipients. Mm-hmm. So just the fact that we're having so many black people who have been nominated this year also is like historical and is mm-hmm. you know impressive and amazing so, yeah yeah i'm really loving to see that our representation is is really gaining yeah exactly and so the first person who has won the nobel peace prize is the first black or the first black man who's ever won the peace prize was ralph bunche yeah mr bunch um 
And then, uh, Kylie, do you have some information on Ralph? Yeah, so he was um, born August 7th, 1904, and passed in 1971. Um, He was an American political scientist, academic and diplomat. He received um, the Nobel Peace Prize in 1950 for his 1940s peace mediations in Israel. He's the first African-American to be honored. He was also involved in the formation of the United Nations and played a major role in numerous peacekeeping operations sponsored by the UN. Mm -hmm. And he was also um, awarded in 1963 the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President John F. Kennedy. So he um, is, has, you know, laid the pathwork for so many of the the organizations that we see today like UN the United Nations is huge yeah and like we see their um, works towards peace we see their works towards bringing the world together I I honestly like one day everybody will will have just like UN IDs and we'll all just be citizens of earth (laughs) yeah right right and that would be great (laughs) and it's just like this man laid the foundation for that so um he definitely is deserving of this recognition and it really lets you know um the caliber of the individuals that are being recognized because their work is not local their work is global and their work um you know is historical and will continue to affect people throughout the ages so that's just one example yeah, and then um the next the next person is who we've all uh you know, all know from the civil rights movement uh, when it got real big in the 1960s is our very own Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Not only that um he he's one of our peace prizes, but the second black man in America to receive one, but he was also the youngest um recipient of this award. Um so Basically, um, he received this about four years before he was assassinated, um, and and it was mostly for his nonviolent campaign against racism. Um, Just just to basically kind of go about how um, Martin Luther King kind of got about peace, like King basically uh, based his philosophy of nonviolence through Gandhi's teachings. Um, In 1955, he began the struggle struggle to persuade the U.S. government to declare policy of racial discrimination in the southern states unlawful. And the and of course, like, you know, uh, the racists responded with violence to the black people's nonviolent initiatives, um, which, you know, that's what's basically happening in current day. You know, anytime uh, Black Lives Matter movement does any type of peaceful protest, there's always going to be those who respond back with violence saying like, no, let's keep shit racist. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, like, of course, like there's other like notable items that we, that is basically almost common knowledge is, um, in 1963, uh, basically half a million demonstrators marched to the Lincoln Memorial in Washington where King gave his famous, I have a dream speech. And then, uh, the following year, President Johnson got a law passed prohibiting all racial discrimination. Um, and so, you know, obviously, Dr. Martin Luther King had people who are always going against him, aside from some of the public who were not exactly on the side of, uh, you know, um, keeping things equal. Um, basically, the head of FBI, John Edgar Hoover, placed him under surveillance as a communist. 
Uh, and when King opposed the administration's policy in Vietnam, he fell into disfavor with the president. Um, it still not has been uncertain whether King's murder acted on his own or was part of a conspiracy, which is kind of a little bit weird to say, but... Right, it's like, okay, we know what happened. Um, the FBI killed him. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we know what happened. He was, he started off um, for nonviolent protests, mm-hmm. and I think just the further he got in his... Um, movement in his career and I think his he was starting to align more with the Black Panther Party and Mm -hmm. you know seeing that okay the reform that's going to happen is not going to happen because we've asked nicely because you cannot put the responsibility on the people who have oppressed you to Mm -hmm. you know lift you up Mm -hmm. and he started shifting his his talk and shifting how he was presenting um, the movement and they were like no 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 uh, that's unacceptable we're not going to allow that to happen and they killed him so it's like we all know what's up he was assassinated he was assassinated but no 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 like I killed assassinated whatever I just love how like they try to like cover it up they're like yeah and they do it's like you don't learn about that you know like, they don't tell you about where he was in the hotel room and the speeches that he was making before like they don't really go into all that they, they just tell you, oh, he was for peaceful protest and, you know, he wouldn't want you to be violent. And it's just like, okay, y'all can get the fuck out of here with that. We know what's up. Yeah. Anyway. Moving along. Moving uh, right along. The third, um, the third recipient of the Peace Prize within the United States was also our very own Barack Obama, who was also the first black president to receive this award. Yes. Yeah. Do you want to go into that? Yeah. Be, so... <laughs> It's kind of, um, like, wonderful that we get to live in this day and age, and I feel like most of the people who are listening to the podcast now, like, should know who Barack Obama is. Barack Obama. Barack Obama. And it's, like, my niece and nephew, you know, that was their first president, really, like, that mm-hmm. they they knew, and so it's, like, always heartwarming to to hear them talk about him, <laughs> you know, like, when they're doing their school projects and everything, it's like, oh. Baby's first president, and like your first president was a black man, and that's dope. Um, but anyway, I know I'm thinking about mine, and I think my first one was uh, Bill Clinton. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Baby's first president, big, uh, <laughs> big Dick Clinton. Baby. Sorry, I'll stop. Oh my wow, god, I don't wow. even actually know. Is there like uh, okay, I'll stop. <laughs> no, yeah, we're not, we're not doing that, uh, <laughs> but um. So he was recognized um, because of his works as a president, because mm-hmm. of his work for the LGBTQ community that he's done, repealing like they don't ask, don't tell, because of his work in the healthcare system, um, because of his work against, you know, anti-terrorism, you know. Yeah, Obama, he wanted to aim for like a world without nuclear weapons. Yes, he did a lot in a short amount of time. A lot of people don't give him his due. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's like because we are in America, um the news that we get on his accomplishments are are skewed. So again, Nobel Peace Prizes are kind of a way for like Americans to actually educate themselves because I'm like we can't rely on our and it's sad that we can't rely on our own like news sometimes because 
our news will portray one image and really the rest of the world is like, what? Do you yeah. not see like the works that he's done not only just within your nation, but um, several other nations? Yeah, so... and to be clear, um, I had this conversation with Kylie and I'll be just transparent, is that I had zero clue about how Nobel Peace Prizes um, were, you know, not handed out, but were um, decided. Um, I didn't know how that worked. I'm like, I don't know which committee or anything. Like, I was completely ignorant about the whole idea. And it's just because, like, it was probably such a small lesson within grade school that it was just brushed over. Like, oh, they got this prize, but they never said how did they got the prize what they had to do to get the prize. And it was always just some blanket statement because they're a great person. I'm like, but why? And so well, what did they do? Yeah. And I had the same, same problem. I was like, Oh yeah. So-and-so has this prize. And you're like, and I'm like, Oh, but it's like a huge deal. And you're like, okay, but what did they do? And then I was just like, <laughs> but they got the prize. And you're like, yeah, but what did they do? And I was like, Oh gosh, I got to go research. So I can tell you exactly no, and, what they did. And, I did research too because, like, I we were both challenging each other with these questions yeah. to make sure that we actually knew, but why and how, because that's the thing that is always left out is like the important things about these things is, um, like, okay, but how come, like, you know, but like freaking Trump got not like not nominated, was he nominated? Yeah, he, yuck, he was nominated. So then it's like it's also um, so it's like anybody can get nominated. Political agendas do play out, uh, for any anything but for Nobel and it's also another reason why it's um, such a big deal that Black Lives Matter is getting some recognition and um, all these other people are getting recogni recognized because you know like I like I said anybody can um, well not anybody but <laughs> there's Ooh, certain, can't wait <laughs> certain qualifications to nominate but it's like if you um, like have spent X amount of time in politics and you hold like this position or that position, like you can nominate. And so it just tells you what the, it's like giving a temp check of the world, what, what how the world is feeling on certain issues and mm -hmm. the, the way that mankind is going to steer themselves in the future. Mm -hmm. um, you can kind of look at these things mm -hmm. and see clearly like where we're headed. And I think like we're headed in a good direction. And I think they try to do some correcting, like, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, we're not holding um those ideals like trump is not the standard no and it's absolutely appalling that someone actually tried to um they tried they, they tried try. but they tried thankfully <laughs> you know the i don't say thankfully but at least the the capital riot happened and then like all questions came up like what do you mean proud boys on standby what do you mean you love them so it's right what do you mean you're not just going to say that you don't support the KKK. Can you just tell us you don't support the KKK? Yeah, just say it. Just, you, say, just say it. it. Say that they're terrorists. Jesus. Tell us, please. All right. Well, going on, uh, the last person that we want to actually uh, celebrate is a black woman in yes. literature. Uh, I'll let Kylie take it away on this. So Toni Morrison, um, she is the only black American woman to have... And actually, she, she's like the, uh, yeah, she's the only black woman um, to have a Nobel Prize in literature. Don't worry, Stacey, you're coming up next. You're coming up, Stacey, you're coming <laughs> up and you got big shoes to fill. But no, like she she's um, laid the path for you. Toni Morrison, 
um, was born February 18, 1931, and she actually just passed in August of 2019. Um, she's an American novelist, essayist, book editor, college professor. Um, she wrote Song of Solomon um, and won like many book awards, the National Book Critic Circle Award. Mm-hmm. She's won Pulitzer Prizes for Beloved. Mm-hmm. Um, she She's just an incredible woman. She came from Howard and basically like putting out literature for little black girls and little black boys and bringing a wealth of knowledge yeah, she's basically to the community. She made it more accessible, mm-hmm. and it was basically in a time where women weren't being recognized uh, as authors in the United States. To have her come to the forefront, especially African American women, were not being recognized. Um, for her to burst through and for her to have her work stand for themselves, right, exactly. um, is incredible for the recognition that like she's allowed all of us to have as black women we there wasn't you know we we always say representation matters mm-hmm. and um one of the reasons why she's so groundbreaking is because we, we didn't really have that representation before her right she's the first in many um and i think now that i think about um the fields of opportunity that have been open to black women, especially here in the United States. Like black women are some of the most educated women here. Black women are some of the most um, like highly decorated in terms of like degrees mm-hmm. um, and still the least recognized. Yeah. So she, her c- contributions are monumental mm-hmm. because she has laid the pathway for recognition for other black women. Right. Yeah. No. And yeah, I can tell, like, just some of the descriptions of these works, um, which I'm actually really interested in reading jazz. Um, it, it's kind of just like, you know, just... I I like this quote that she said um, about her work and how she felt about, um, about writing in general. She's like, my work requires me to think about how free I can be as an African-American woman writer in my genderized, sexualized, wholly radicalized world. Um, and that she's also like, she wants her projects to rise from delight and not disappointment. So I applaud her. Um, and I, I actually now, you know, like I said, because Kylie and I had to do some research on this, I'm very excited to read some of her works. Yeah. I mean, she's a feminist. Her works concentrate on other black women. Her Mm -hmm. works concentrate on, you know, the black experience in America. She talks about, you know, she talks about the deeper issues. Her work is not fluff. Right. You know what I mean? Her work is... It's not black satire. It's not black satire. It's not, um, you know, there's nothing in there that is... Coonery. There's nothing in there that gives any piece of herself away for anything. Uh, you know, she just she is who she is, and mm-hmm. she's very true to herself and her cause. And um, she doesn't fake the funk. Don't fake the funk. Don't fake the funk. Her writing is the truth. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Ooh, weird, weird transition. Uh, Justin Timberlake's not doing so great. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Poor white guy. Yeah, no. And there was a there was a Twitter um, meme where it was like, 
people who thought were the villain and it showed Janet Jackson and Britney Spears and then it's like the actual villain Justin Timberlake bro, bro. <laughs> okay I mean that that's about to throw us all off topic because did you actually were how old were you did you watch that well speaking of Super Bowls and and oh reveals, oh like... yeah I was there and I my jaw dropped and I went no not Janet not Janet <laughs> but honestly I was just like Dude, Justin, that was totally you, okay? Like, I mean, I wonder if that was, like, I still don't know if that was planned or not. But I really liked her nipple ring. That had to be planned, yo. <laughs> I feel like it. I'll have you naked by the end of the show, show. And I'm like, mm. And I, I think I was, like, I, I, I wasn't that old. I, I might have been, like, 12. Free the nipple. I remember people losing their minds and yeah. being like rah, rah, this is a family television I was oh like, my okay. god chill the so fuck it's out. totally acceptable for you guys to see ads where it's oh my god do you remember that like the twins oh I yeah love quarterbacks eating dirt cheerleaders in short skirts and i especially love them twins it's like okay see all that was cool all the ass shaking and like the drinking and like oh this oh but the moment woo, woo, that a black woman accidentally exploits her body it's like, a sin well, she's a performer it's like nobody's like nobody has not seen her body you know what i mean it's just like yeah. okay and nothing, it's just the breast it's fine nothing makes me more upset than than not only sports culture but their but their diehard fans make me so mad I just, uh, we can go to another episode. Not appropriate, not appropriate, but here, drink my bud. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right, so let's go ahead and go into some lighter stuff. Uh, let's talk about some, since it is Black History Month, we wanted to talk about notable Black characters in animation that we, Kylie and I, loved. Yes. Um, And so... I just wanted, just because, so here's the thing, um, growing up and watching animation, so luckily I feel like I watched a lot of goofy, like animated, or animal-based animation, like Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry and, you know, stuff that was just like hella funny and I think like once I switched over to Cartoon Network then it started showing more like, okay, there's like kids like just doing a bunch of shenanigans, like Ed, Ed, and Eddie and stuff like that but like you know or the simpsons but like you know what what i noticed is like those shows didn't really show like actual like how do i put it real life skin colors until like you know i started getting a little bit older as of when i started to notice so um i guess what i want to just start with is um some of the shows that I liked and some of the shows that Kylie liked. Yes. And I'll go off for, just to start first is um, number five from Kid ne- Kids Next Door, Abigail Lincoln. <laughs> yes. Absolutely loved her sass and loved like how she just got shit done and always just kind of kept it real with her friends. I feel like she was like one of the first like actual um, characters that I could relate to as a black girl. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, like she wasn't... Um, like, too caricature You know, all the kids in Kids Next Door were, like, very real and very relatable. And I think I was watching her at an age where I think we were supposed to be, like, probably around the same age, too. And to see, like, her her fashion, her style. Mm-hmm. She was more of, like, of a tomboy and, like, mm-hmm. running around and, like, wasn't afraid to get messy and, mm-hmm. like, get shit done. And, like, she was just cool. 
So I, yeah, I definitely remember, like, loving her character, loving her style, and mm-hmm. just really relating to her. Yeah, and also one of our favorite, or one of the most known, like, voice actresses portrayed <laughs> her as, who we, oh my gosh, we're laughing because, like, at, while we were brainstorming on this, like, basically, long story short, uh, every voice actor was just this woman, but Cree Summer played Abigail Lincoln. Yeah! That, like, you know absolutely top tier voice actress like i don't even i couldn't even think of another black woman for like the longest time (laughs) if i had to look from like the 90s the early 2000s it was all cree summer Mm -hmm. um all the time anytime Mm -hmm. you saw any character like in american television that was black it was usually and but and a woman it was usually cree summer yeah all right kylie what about your take um, so I wanted, I think like the earliest was, um, Little Bill. Mm-hmm. So because I watched television like on and off in my childhood, it wasn't like a staple. Mm-hmm. Um, there weren't like too many shows that I was allowed to watch, but I remember Little Bill was one of those shows that, um, came on that I could actually watch mm-hmm. and see. And for those of you guys who have never watched Little Bill, Little Bill, Bill Cosby. <laughs> Yeah, Bill Cosby was the inspiration for that show, and god damn, damn that did not age well. Mm -hmm. Oh no. Yeah, Little Bill was like a five-year-old boy living in the big city um, with his parents, his older brother, his sister, his grandma, known as Alice the Great. Mm. I think that's also a shout out to Alice Walker. Um, But, you know, he was a little black boy, and uh, it was on like what Nickelodeon, CBS, and BET, and it was just his like adventures, and he had friends in the neighborhood, and it just showed him like doing regular cute little like kid stuff, and I just didn't really see that representation before. Mm-hmm. So that was like my first character I think that I saw where I was like, oh, it's a, it's a whole like and it's a whole black family, and it was animated. Yeah, yeah, no, I and I and I think that's like very great because like I mean I think that also set the premise for other shows to have like other animated families aside from like Bebe's kids, right? right? So, but I didn't really watch Bebe's kids. So, <clears throat> um, going on to the next thing, so Susie Carmichael from the Rugrats was. <laughs> Uh, she, I feel like she was mostly introduced a little bit later into the series, but she was basically kind of like uh, the Pickles' is like well-adjusted neighbors, <laughs> to say it very politely, because like, wow, like the variety of parents in that show was, whew. but Susie was uh, just like a doll and was always like good energy and like, you know, she would always, she was in closer age with uh, Angelica. Yes. And so they would always have to do, like, they would always have to do shenanigans together. But she was always kind of, like, disapproving Angelica's shenanigans. She's like, oh, bitch, you're spoiled. Like, bitch, you're spoiled. <laughs> Look, she, that dynamic um, was definitely a dynamic that I think every black child can recognize. When you have, like, the, the snobby white kid and mm-hmm. you're just like, dude, you're so fucking privileged and you don't even know it. And even to see that, like, from the viewpoint of children it's just mm-hmm. like even kids like dang it starts young it starts so young Susie Carmel like she was talented she go she could sing better and then Angelica would come along and like try to out sing her it's like dude no and you know chill though the person who betrayed Susie was Chris Summer, Summer. <laughs> all right 
right. Bring you that flavor. On to the next one. Kylie, take it away. Um, so, the Proud Family. Oh, yes. So, we couldn't even zero in on one. No. The cast. One character, tell, yeah. Like, the whole cast. I'm talking, like, representation on point. All different shades. Okay, all different sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys have missed out on this show, please, like, it's worth the watch. To, di- to this day, I still watch The Proud Family. It's hilarious. The cast alone, like, it has all, all the black people you could ever want. And it was in representation, like, so here's the thing. Like, black black characters, black animated characters, black, black voice actors. Yes. Easy. Boom. Spanish animated character La Cienega Spanish voice actor white <laughs> white girl I forgot what her name was it was um what was her name Zoe Zoe white lady play, portraying as Zoe like I mean what is so hard about that like, so the, I, I mean, mean that there was like that, a, but it's just like they they went beyond um in terms of like the texture of their hair yes. the things that they liked there yes. was nothing that was entirely stereotypical mm-hmm. you know you still had um uncle bobby who loved music and then you still had you know you know people who play basketball you had people who loved the movies you know what i mean like there's there was there wasn't just one t- like type of being black or one way of being black in that right. family every exactly. single person in that family had their own thing that they were doing Big Mama always had her own little thing that she was doing. Oh, she was always about that that Spanish <laughs> poppy. She was always about the... <laughs> like, she loved that man. She was like, ooh, you better come over here right. with that sauce. That sauce. Like, Granny was still getting it. So it was just like, okay, like, the representation is here. It's hot. The family dynamics um, showing... Uh, especially in America, we have like this whole myth that like black fathers don't exist. I was like, okay, they do. Yo, Oscar Proud was Oscar the goat. <laughs> <laughs> he was like really like derpy, but like at least he was always on. He was, right. he was he about was a that family. Like, yeah, he's a dad, and it's like they show a whole complete like family. They show extended family. Um, so just having that like being portrayed at mm-hmm. a time, especially where because you know. <laughs> the crack pandemic in the 80s you know was targeted towards black communities a yeah. lot of us who are in our 30s like now our parents were dealing with with that right. target on their back and right. so a lot of the families in our communities from that era yeah they were broken and yeah they like they really did try to cut off our link to generational wealth yep. they really tried to cut off our link to education uh-huh. to the family unit like and this show was basically like a F you, you know, our families are still strong. You know, our black men yeah, our are families. proud. It's the proud family. And you can be mm-hmm. proud of the accomplishments that this family is doing. They stick together. Mm-hmm. You know, they encourage their children to do whatever they have to do. Uh-huh. Mom's out there hustling. Dad's out there hustling. There's no one person who has all of the duties. Like, the this the show really... Um, brings lessons at every age i like i said yeah. i i'm still re-watching the show like i still watch the show because i learn something new every time right and so yeah i'm really glad that i got yeah. to have that exposure and i think it's <clears throat> i mean aside from like other shows like for example like, like family matters and um what was there other show that i oh um 
Uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yes. Even though the, uh, the main character that Will played, like he came from a kind of like a broken background, but like those shows show examples of like family loyalty and family um just like sticking together no matter what happens so going solving through your issues which is something that um has been basically taken away from just the real life of a lot of like american black fam families um and so like i i think it's best to show examples of like you know hey we can still work through it there doesn't need to be any fights unfortunately like you said the repercussions of you know the government gaslighting the war these on families. drugs yeah the war on black people yeah so we can like dive super deep into it but like yeah like it's just like one of those things like we need better like wholesome content to show as a leading example of what is possible yeah you know and we don't they're not directly saying like you guys can do this they're not saying that they're just saying this is a fun light-hearted yeah show. I just, there's so many shows out there that are just based off of like drama and trauma and mm-hmm. it's just nice to have a show where it's just like they do show um, real life issues that people go through. You know, people get sick, people die, people lose their jobs, you know, um, and that's fine. But it doesn't mean that you as a person, you know, A, deserve those things because mm-hmm. of the color of your skin mm-hmm. or B, that you can't have nice things because, mm-hmm. like due to the color of your skin. So I just it was one of those shows that... Um, stands the test of time and like Kyla Pratt outside of that show Mm -hmm. is still such a pillar in in our community Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like she's I, don't, I can't oh, think yeah, of Kyla, she's ever done wrong. Like, what? A lot of those girls from, like, the Disney Channel, like Kyla Pratt or um, Kiki Palmer or, you know, Raven Simone has had kind of her ups and downs. But, like, they're all aging pretty well. Like, they're in the within. Very the, well. They're within, like, very good climate, I think. And so um, I'm really, le- like, I think we're really lucky to see that growth yes. uh, with a lot of those actresses. Um, so that's amazing. Um, all right. So, I'm going to bring up somebody from anime. Oh, gosh. Who has been a great father figure uh-huh. to a warrior race. Oh, okay. Is it who going to be? Do you want to take a guess? Is it Piccolo? Nah. It's <laughs> Mr. Popo! Mr. Oh, Popo! Oh, my God! You knew you wanted to say Piccolo. It was Piccolo. No, it? Mr. Popo is a great father to everybody. I mean, if you have not seen the bridge series where he makes the guys go through the, the trials and the errors to make them build, and then he goes, goodbye. Oh. Okay, I'm fucking with you. It is Piccolo. It is Piccolo. I was like, what? I can't get past Popo's look. Oh my god. No, Mr. Popo's look is something that has been very, very problematic it's with him. Traumatizing. It's, it's traumatizing. It's traumatizing. It's very Sambo-ish. It's, it's one of those things that it was like a big uh-oh. Like, um, even as a kid, I'm just like, that's not right. Like, I don't know exactly why it's not right, but that's not right. Yeah, they could have done better. Um, there's been a lot of times where, like, in, in anime where, like, black black men have been kind of just, like... There's been kind of a laziness with their design. Like, there's eyes and then, like, the mouth that looks like Sambo. Oh. And kind of like, I drew a picture for Kylie real she, quick. Yeah, no, it's just like, uh... But yeah, but anywho, um, aside from all that, like, we... I mean, that could be another episode we can talk about, like, just how animation has gotten better. Yes, with drawing please. Black I'm people. so happy that they've gotten better. It's... 
Yeah, uh, it's... the references in the early times, the docked, the yeah. before times, and we can also like jive into it with Looney Tunes too. But um, other than that, uh, Piccolo has been <laughs> regarded as black. <laughs> Piccolo's black as fuck. Okay, <laughs> I don't know why Namekians, but like no one regarded any other Namekian except for freaking Piccolo. <laughs> Um, but he's been a wonderful father figure uh, to to uh, Gohan and you know deadbeat Goku, <laughs> who just would rather <laughs> indulge in his drug of choice, which is fighting. Um, so I just want to say shout outs to Piccolo, voice actor is Christopher Sabat, who is actually not a black man, but he also does other voices within Dragon Ball Z aside from Piccolo. He's mostly known for doing Vegeta. So, anywho, uh, we're just going to brush that by real quick, and then, Kylie, go ahead and say your final character <laughs> that you thought was influential oh in the Black gosh. community. Um, I think, so I was torn between, like, Cyborg, <laughs> because I watched, like, in the time of Teen Titans, go! Yeah. And, like, Powerpuff Girls, um, like, Cyborg stuck out to me, um, and, like, I think... He was, like, one of the first black cartoons mm-hmm. that was, like, a teenager that I watched, who was, like, a superhero. And, again, I know people are going to be like, oh, but what about Storm? Like, what about all these other characters? I'm like, okay, you got to realize I did not have TV for, like, the um, majority of my childhood. It was, like, on and off. So, like, honestly, the characters that I did see, like, were very important to me mm-hmm. because I didn't have a large selection. I literally, like... This was one of the only shows that I saw, and I would see this show, like, when I went to my friend's house. It wasn't even like I was watching at my house, so it was very Mm -hmm. much, like, a treat, Mm -hmm. and very much, um, like, my whole, uh, world uh, of experience, my whole wealth of knowledge with, (laughs) uh, animated characters, so I'm gonna go with Cyborg. All right. Cyborg was dope. choice. He was hella dope. He was hella black. Um, Carrie Payton was the, is, is the voice actor. From the original From Teen Titans. From the original Titan. Teen yeah. Titans. Not Teen Titans Go. Not this new, like, Teen Titans that's going on that's, like, you know, you know, Starfire's been showing all that leg to Dick Grayson and... Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I, I actually want to watch that one. I forgot that it's, like, all these shows have been revamped now, so I'm just like, oh, yeah. I think it's revamped for an audience that actually enjoyed them. You know, like, Teen Titans Go, I think, was a was a was something that was argued... Uh, consistently mm-hmm. in in the pitch room and then like they did it and then in, even like Teen Titans Go made fun of the episode made fun of the fact that they didn't look as cool as the old Teen Titans yeah the one with the beginning with Puffy Ami Yumi oh my god but yeah Cyborg was dope yeah like he was he was funny he was always just skeptical and like nah like we ain't gonna do that like, <laughs> like he's the voice of reason and like just <laughs> As, as all black people are, and they <laughs> tend to be in their groups of friends, the, the voice of reason, the mm-hmm. realist one, like, uh, had your back, was smart, mm-hmm. was down to fight, had great backstory, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? He came, his family was intelligent, his father was intelligent. Mm-hmm. So yes, I'm all here for the STEM. It's like, hmm. All here for the STEM man. <laughs> STEM or STEAM. <laughs> it's getting a little steamy so, over there, hot, Kylie. Hot, hot, hot. Hey, it's a kid's show. Calm down. Wait, <laughs> I was a kid when I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, nerdy and dirty segment. Uh, thank you all for kind of enduring with our like quick little nerdy segment as well as our current events. Now we're going on to our nerdy and dirty. Yes. <clears throat> so I wanted to talk about fetish, specifically black dominatrix. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> so I was wondering. Have you ever? To had be clear, a black black dominatrix. Is that, that, does that mean they exclusively wear black or? No, I'm talking about because I've seen some red ones. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking with the some... red latex. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes. I'm waiting. I'm sure somewhere out there is like a strictly pastel, a strictly pastel dom. Oh, softcore. Softcore dom. Soft colored dom. It's gotta be a thing. I'm, I'm sure it is. I'm sure there's a collection of colors. Okay, I'm just fucking with you. It's so black dominatrix. Black dominatrix. I think people <laughs> who are black, uh, specifically like women who are black, stepping into their power in this kink space and um, just running shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you ever been asked to uh, be the more domineering one in the bedroom? Um, Look, she's like cinnamon rolling. No. <laughs> uh, let's just say we have pretty good body communication. So no. God damn it! Why like, do you expose me like this? You. So because it's like um the power dynamics are always like a fun thing to explore. I mean, he's doing a lot of the leading, so I mean. So no. Okay. <laughs> you know what? F you. <laughs> I don't like it when people call me submissive. Submissive. That's what you just did. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> I'm not sorry. No, I won't say that you're submissive, um, because you definitely like speak up for yourself, and like there's, I, I definitely know that there's nothing okay, going there, down in the bedroom that listen. you don't want to go down. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But in terms of like actually like doing more of like a role play or you know mm. stepping into a in a space where they know okay. In this time, in this frame, I'm the one who's in charge. You get to do what I say. You know, like, Mm -hmm. having fun with that power dynamic. That's Mm -hmm. not something that you have explored. No. Is that something you think that you'd be willing to explore? Probably, yes. I feel like you'd be a really good dominatrix because... (laughs) No, like, honestly, I really do. All right, guys. So my OnlyFans is... (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's this. It's... Ends like this, which is be. the opposite of my handle. So that way it ends your night like this. Oh my gosh, that would be cute. That would be cute. You Someone can take it. Hands. Just give me, give me like 0.5% of your royalties? revenue. Your revenue. It, I, I said 0.5%. 0.5. I That's really so wanted little. to do an only five. It is so little. How dare they offer <laughs> that to our girl. Anyway, uh, flashback to another episode. Uh, half a percent ain't it. <clears throat> Half a percent ain't it. it ain't oh my it. god, what am I doing? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Shout out to Michaela Cole. We love you. Yes, we do. <laughs> All right, but like, tell me about the, I guess, uh, Jet Setting Jasmine. Yeah, so Jet Setting Jasmine is a woman who I've been kind of like watching um, her journey. Um, she and her husband actually like work together. Her husband is King Noir. Um, they do. <clears throat> classes to teach people how to um, 
do BDSM safely, you know, how to, they teach like flogging courses, they teach courses on, you know, like knot tying, spanking, they do um, a lot of educational work and um, about the kink space. I, I'm intrigued by her because she is really um, bringing the knowledge and the power and the representation as a black woman in a kink space. She nice. is smart. I really um, hate the fact that in, I don't know if it's a global thing, I can only speak to my experience as an American, but I know here sex workers um, are not given the respect that they are due. Not at all. It's absolutely infuriating. Like it's kind of like a weird um, double standard. Like, sex workers are not treated with any sort of respect or seriousness. Meanwhile, like, like the demand of sex work by yes. a lot of, and I'm calling it out, but cis men. Yes. The demand for cis, for sex work from just cis men and, like, the having it available as for free is, like, is very, very appalling. Like, if you want to, I don't know, sex in a way has kind of transformed from... It's not exclusively about being intimate with your partner, but also objectified as something that can be like, a, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh my gosh, I'm like tongue tied. But you can distribute it. And, okay. and you can distribute it in a way where, um, like, you know, you get satisfaction um, just kind of getting like a hit and then, then, you know, you move on with your life. Like it doesn't have to be necessarily connected to emotions anymore, which again, you, anybody can manifest sex in any way that they want or, or want. It's not saying like, oh, because you have sex with this person, now you can distribute it to everybody. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is like me as a person who likes sharing sex with, with folks that I'm like, you know, obviously intimately involved with, mm -hmm. um, and I'm monogamous, so I don't want to have to share those feelings with somebody else. But there was a time and place where I was just, you know, hoeing around because people need to get that out of their system. But even with hoeing around, if you feel like, mm, I feel like it's not something that I want to just give out, but there should be some monetary, um, implications with it, then fine. You know, so I think um, more than just and more than just sex, more than just sex. Um, I think there's so many other things in the world that happen mentally, emotionally, physically mm -hmm. um, within those spaces. Is like kink spaces is not is not necessarily about the physical act of sex and then also you have to like how are you defining sex Correct. sometimes yeah. it's just sexual yeah. like different sexual acts like you could be a dominatrix and never actually have sex with any of your clients you this know? is very people true people are yes. coming to you for transference of power mm -hmm. people are coming to you to um, express maybe a desire that they have that their partner is not necessarily willing to fulfill and what I'm getting at is that a lot of these people become highly skilled in their field and a lot of the skills that they have don't necessarily have anything to do with the act itself. A lot of the skills that these people mm -hmm. have, they are therapists, mm -hmm. they um, are, you know, there to help you okay. manage your life, you know, yes. people relying on them to um, help manage their own insecurities, people are coming to them. Um, 
you know, maybe they've experienced something in their childhood that made them think a different way. Like, and that's maybe they're not open and, to sharing that with and, everybody and, and having somebody that they can go to where they know that their emotions and their body will be safe because the person they're going to actually knows what they're doing. Yeah. And, and that's actually very true. I, I keep forgetting to add that into what, like, having a sexual interaction doesn't necessarily need to be sex, sex right. I'll, and I won't and I say keep... a sexual, I'll say intimate. I'll oh, say right. having an intimate reaction. Yeah, exactly. Interacting. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I think that's also very true as well. Because like, you know, there is a lot of... It's interesting that like... That just the act of having these interactions have just kind of expanded. Because I just... You know, if I think about it, you know, people play around with these words like pillow talk and all that stuff. And Mm -hmm. now it's just expanded into a bigger thing. I love how you said play because play, to me, play is a big part of it. Like this Mm -hmm. is adult fun. This is things people do as adults. You know, the games that you used to play as a kid. Mm -hmm. Now it's like what you used to play hide and seek. Now you want to play hide and seek as an adult. And maybe you want it to be, you know, a little more kinky. Maybe you want it to be... A little more fun, you know, but maybe it's not something that you're willing to just share with anybody. Maybe you want a slumber party or maybe you want to, you know, dress up in pajamas and, you know what I mean? And have this uh, experience that maybe other people are going to frown upon because they're like, oh, well, you're a grown adult and you have responsibilities and you're supposed to do this and be a certain way. And, oh, you know, like, totally. You know I mean? It's like, a release. Like. Yeah. It's a release, you know, especially like in the black community. Um, I know we have touched on like homophobia before um maybe you like just a little anal play and that's not something that you're comfortable asking your partner for because mm-hmm. she's gonna turn around and like maybe label you as gay or having homo yeah, tendencies and, and then and ask you and like you don't want to have to deal with that backlash and that's so unfair because like it's you should be able to feel comfortable to go to your partner with anything without being judged and then like you know there's there's those who have to go and search for it and I'm not saying like it's the sad thing that like you can't there's certain things that you can't do with your partner like if your partner's just like oh gross what and then it's like okay well I'm just gonna go find somebody else and do this like I mean that's fine but there's also maybe the other side of it where it's like your partner has said like hey I'm actually not really into that but you really care about your partner you want to build a life with this person but then you just actually need to find a release somewhere else yeah and, and, and that's like, fair and this, I feel like it's a safe release because then what are your options like you don't want to cheat because you love this person mm-hmm. um and so it's like all right you go to what a professional yes I... <laughs> a professional that's what you're supposed to do I will so, find a professional find a find a professional Jessica and Jasmine uh she's professional Um, (laughs) yay nice turnaround i like bruh she has a bachelor's of art in sociology a master's of clinical social work a master's in aging studies a background in integrated human studies you know what i mean she um i love her all her titles there's like sex goddess she's a sex goddess she's a licensed clinical therapist you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, she deals with health and fitness. She talks about sexual wellness. Um, she and her husband do these things together. They have their own uh, studio. Uh, what, owner of Jet Sitting Jasmine LLC and Royal Fetish Films. You know, mm-hmm. they make their own films and they make them ethically. Mm-hmm. And um, I just uh, applaud all the work that she's done. She is powerful. Powerful. 
every time I see one of her videos, I'm just like, damn, like she's a sexy woman. She's a strong woman. She is like so open and honest about her body and what is like the un unrealistic expectations of mothers and mm -hmm. still being sexy. Um, the expectations that are placed upon, you know, black women versus white women. Mm -hmm. um, she has gone, she and her husband uh, take trips to Africa and mm -hmm. educate over there um, about safe sex, mm -hmm. um, about, you know, honoring the woman that you're with, about female pleasure. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the, the aspects that I'm attracted to in her work is the more feminist aspect, is the aspect of a woman taking power of her own pleasure. Mm -hmm. And just the fact that um, she has created a space where it is okay to do that. That's amazing. And still demands respect for herself. Yeah. Like, there's, I, I can't find one reason, you know, to fault this woman. Right. No, I think this is all, like, amazing. And, whew, they're doing tours in Africa? Like... I don't know, man. Like, I, and this is where I'm just taking it like that there's every community is different. And so I, I feel like that would be just such a place where you'd be tipping on, like, tipping on eggshells to even bring that up. But yeah, I, no, that's amazing. Um, I think this is a great way to show, like, there's more than just the sex. Um, and, also, just like incorporating like all of this, the, the wellness behind yeah, it. Yeah, sex work is work. People go to school to educate themselves to be able to function mm -hmm. as a sex worker mm -hmm. and to do it well and professionally. They deserve your respect. Yep. They deserve your money. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a service. It's still a service. I mean, ultimately, like if there's a service that you want, don't expect services for free. Like you, you still have to invest in it so then that way they, they can continue to impact all your lives as well. And don't so, turn around and fucking slut shame yeah. when you're the one who is providing a need. This is a no slut shaming zone. No slut shaming at all. Yeah. All right. Moving along to Big Move Monday. Uh, it looks like we're going to hand out our recognition to Give Power. Yes. An organization that has uh, that has been working on uh, converting salt water into drinking water. Um, and this has been affected over in Kenya where they have started that project, I believe. Yes. So they've actually, um, Give Power has been able to work with many different continents and many mm -hmm. different countries and um, Lately, they've been doing a lot of work in Kenya, mm -hmm. um, bringing some solar power desalination systems over there. Basically, you know, only 4% of the world's water supply is drinkable. And that you know, is scary. It is scary. That is absolutely terrifying. Especially when you think, um, you know, we are here uh, in California and we're by the ocean. And we have a few lakes here and there. A few lakes here and there, but you know, most of the water that we see all the all the time, all day long, is the ocean and it's salt water. <laughs> and the last thing you want to do when you're thirsty and dehydrated is drink salt water. It's no good for you. It will mess you up. Yeah. But um especially like in places like Kenya where it's hot as heck and mm -hmm. your nearest water source is an hour away and you have to walk to that water source and carry that water source back with you. Mm -hmm. um, having a solar power desalination system uh, is incredible. Mm -hmm. um, this means that now you're able to focus your time 
and your resources on building and you're not literally waking up every day and grinding for your basic survival. And this is like huge. Um, I know that there's been different like I guess, um, not what's the word I'm looking for, but just kind of shortcut ways of just trying to figure out how to drink salt water when you're in a bind. Um, like, you know, there's Those the, whole, the filter straws, the life straws. I've there's life straws. There's also the way of like, you know, you let the condensation collect on top of a thing, let the condensation fall into another, like s- siphon it somewhere else and then drink that. Um, but also like, I just to kind of speak on devil's advocate, this is also very scary technology as well. Is it? Um, a little bit, yeah. Because, well, you know, actually this might be not counterintuitive. That's not the word I'm looking for. If we re- if we use the ocean as our as our general base for water, um, like, and this is just the, the, the conspiracy person in me saying this, but, like, if we're taking away from a natural source again, and then that natural source is going to become monetized. Um, so that's... That's just something that I get worried about. But also, like, it might help with some of the global warming to equal out any of the melting things or the melting um, glaciers that have been happening. Um, but it also kind of also takes away from the Earth to try to regulate itself. So that's just my, like, kind of, like, criticisms with it. Mm-hmm. But other than that, places that need water, you need water. Like, Well, I think also in terms, because what, I, what you brought up um, about, you know, the emissions and mm-hmm. affecting, you know, global warming, I think this is actually one of the smarter ways to do c- desalination. Mm-hmm. Um using solar power to do it is a really smart way of doing it. And it also will yeah. reduce the emissions. You know, people go on cruise ships that, that they use pumps um, for their water sources and everything, and it goes back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I honestly think this is a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah, we don't know what the ramifications are, but I think in terms of humans affecting our environment... Uh, I think this is a step in the right direction. Right. Because we've ar- we already did the step in the other direction of just, like, not caring and pumping whatever. Oh, yeah. I you mean, know, and, taking the laziest route. <laughs> yeah, and it was the laziest route that looked like the most successful route, right? So it was just, like, one of those things that were like, yeah, this is great technology. And then, and then what happens is um, we're like, oh, wait, but that can't happen because that's really scary. So, um yeah, I think this is a great start um, to making sure that other other countries and cities are thriving. Yes. Uh, especially places, like you said, have to walk for days to for get days. Their, their drinking water. And then um, not only that, but like they, they've given here in the United States, you know, they were um, at Standing Rock, you know, in, in July 2019. Mm-hmm. Give Power and Indigenized Energy did the official launch of the Cannonball Community Solar Farm. Mm-hmm. Um, at Standing Rock Reservation. Mm-hmm. So um, that was three miles from the Dakota Access Pipeline. And they provide like 300 kilowatts solar to to people in that community, to the big, uh, the Sioux Nation community that's out there. Um, and they provide, you know, additional energy for like the Veterans Memorial Building. And mm-hmm. they allow that money that <laughs> these people would normally be spending to, you know, big corporations, PG&E, they allow them to keep that money in their communities. Um, so I definitely think that um, it's a 
a organization that is worth supporting. Mm-hmm. So you can go to their website, givepower.org. You can look at all of their projects. Mm-hmm. Um, they they have positions open if you want to apply and impact <laughs> the world. If you you know what I mean, they, they have yeah. positions for everything. If you're interested in working with solar power, or you're interested um, in helping affect communities that you see need this type of support, uh-huh. um, you can go to their website and check them out. So I All think right. they definitely deserve that shout out. Yeah, a huge applause to them. And what's kind of crazy is like, you know, Silicon Valley Tech, close to home. Right? Donated like $1 million. They donated a million dollars. Crazy. Yeah, so I mean, there's funders coming from all types of places across the world. All right. Well, that's actually coming down to the end of our episode for today. Thank you all for listening to Lady Blurred Sings the Blues. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Pods, and our original home SoundCloud. Follow us on Instagram at Lady Blurred's Podcast. For questions and suggestions about the show, always email us at don'tcastanddrive, spelled as don'tcastndrive. Um, and also, again, we'll probably be updating everybody as we go along for the next few weeks. But all Don't Cast and Drive interviews, which is the sister podcast to Lady Blurred Sings the Blues, those interviews starting from three years ago are all now available within the same playlist as Lady Blurred Sings the Blues yes. on Spotify, Apple Pods, and SoundCloud. Content. Or actually SoundCloud, excuse me, they're on two different pod- uh, two different playlists, but the other two uh, platforms are on the same All right. But other than that, thanks again for joining us. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Yes. Bye.